Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Well, good evening. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm just struck with God's goodness tonight. And uh, through some of the songs that we've sung and through some of the depictions that we've heard and read and just the skit just now, just recognize the wonderful grace and the wonderful love of Jesus that just so desperately meets us where we are at. I think one of these services is very difficult because it's the moment that I think we recognize the sin and our shame and the pain uh, that we caused in the life of a God who loves us and wants to restore us and wants to reunite with us. And I know that you have that, probably that same feeling tonight and maybe for some of you who were dragged here by a family, a spouse, or a friend. But I don't want you to leave tonight not understanding that God's grace, though, reaches you at the point of where you need. So before we get started tonight, let's just pray together. Father, man, there's just a sweet spirit in this place. And that doesn't come from us. That, that comes from your Holy Spirit descending upon this place. And it's not just this place. Because I love how that you can be in every church tonight. You can be in every home. You can be on everything that happens online. And you can even be with somebody that is just out in the middle of nowhere. And you can be speaking into their life. And I pray tonight, Lord, that we would get out of the way. And we would watch as you invade this place like you have never done before. And that all of us will come to grips and the understanding of what you did on the cross so long ago is still relevant to us today. And the blood that you spilled out for our sins is the blood which almost doesn't make sense, but it cleanses us from all our unrighteousness, all of our sin, all of our weariness. Father, I pray that tonight, that if there's anything that I would say incorrect, that you'd really just shut me up and that you would start to speak. And that the only words that people would hear tonight is yours. And so I thank you, Father, for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've been doing this series, I Spy With My Little Eye, and it's just been a tremendous series. And man, I just feel so overwhelmed by God's goodness and uh, just the way that he's continued to bless what we have going on here and just blessing your lives. And I have to tell you, I'm really excited about Easter. We have so many testimonies that are going to be shared, and you know, I'm just really gearing up for that. But all I could think about in the last couple of days was the cross. And all I could think about through this whole series, because we were trying to do this series that says, what was Jesus looking at? What was he seeing as he was here with humanity? We're told early on in the beginning that Emmanuel, God with us, would leave his throne on high. And I want you to think about this picture because I believe that this is what the cross is about. I believe it's about you and I living a horizontal life. 
In other words, we go through sort of the same motions and same situations each and every day. But then God on high vertically came down to meet with you and I. And at that point of intersection is where the cross happens. And it's what you and I understand that that's where he put our sin and our shame on in that moment. But I had to tell you, every time, even going back to last year, um, I had my brother sing a song that I just remember of my teen years, and it was just this song that said, Do you still feel the nails? And I thought, Lord, do you still feel my sin? Do you still feel my shortcomings? Because I can only imagine what that pain was like that you experienced that day on the cross. So I spy this. I spy with my little eye pain. I spy a pain so intense that only the person going through can ever understand. I see pain as beads of sweat running down the body brought on by the weight of the burden that is being carried. I see pain experienced through rejection, loneliness, ridicule, slander, and gossip. I see physical pain brought on by others as they try to get ahead, not worrying how they knock someone down. I see the pain in a father who wonders if their children will ever know how much he loves them. I see a pain that exhausts every last ounce of energy until their body finally gives out and they breathe their last breath. You know, eyes obviously are such a necessity for so many of us. We use our eyes every day. It's what we use to see with. With our eyes, we see both the good and bad. For example, some of you look really good tonight. And others of you, well, bless your heart, <laughs> you're here. No, hon, I'm not talking about you. You look great tonight, by the way, okay? Um, eyes help see the direction that we are going. They help us see obstacles that might be in our way. They help us to take another direction when we need to. Our eyes allowed us to avoid dangers. And for some of us, that means avoiding making eye contact with our wives. Eyes allow us to see the beauty of creation. And just seeing certain foods at times, our mouths will begin to water even before we have ever tasted the goodness of it. I've been thinking a lot, and I said this earlier, what did Jesus see when he was on this earth? I think he saw people in need of help. I think he saw a group of people that were just in pain. I think he saw marriages that were broken. I think he saw acts of adultery that were committed. I think that he saw people who were lying and cheating. I think he saw parents who were struggling to be the best that they could, but were falling short in so many ways. I think he saw anger and jealousy. I think he saw gossiping that was going on between coworkers. I think he saw all the failures of this humanity that he had created, that he had wanted so much more for, 
But he saw how sin and the devil kept invading the space that he had created. This was his world. This is what he created. And you and I were his people. And I think when he looked at this world, he saw a world in desperate need of a savior, in desperate need of change, in desperate need of new direction. I think about the stories over and over again as Jesus would walk across this earth and as he would see different ones and it says that he would heal them of their sick. We told the story that when Jesus learned about John the Baptist, his best friend being beheaded and he wanted to be alone. You remember we said that he wanted to just go off and he didn't want to be around anybody else. He, he did what any of you and I would have done if we had found out someone had died. He just wanted to get away. But because the crowds have heard about the miracles that he did, because they heard about the way that he spoke, because of the way that they heard that he could change a life, like the crowds began to just flock around him. And even though he had this pain that he was enduring in the moment, it says that he looked back on that crowd and he saw different ones who were just trying to feel their way around hoping that they would touch Jesus and the very first thing that they would see would be his face. Some of them probably bringing children, just hoping that the mere shadow of Jesus would be cast over them and their children would be healed. Some of them probably lame, had their friends bringing them because they couldn't make the journey themselves, hoping that if Jesus just spoke the word, that they could stand up and walk. And when Jesus looked at that crowd that day, he not only saw what was going on physically, but he saw what was going on emotionally and he saw what was going on spiritually. And it says that he looked on that group that day and he forgot about himself and he had compassion on them and he healed them. That's our Savior. That's the one that we come into the presence of God tonight. Our Savior sees our pain and our hurts. But it's funny to me because we kind of see all those hurts and we kind of see all those joys and he experienced those joys as well and he loved being with his friends and he called 12 of them to be close to him and he wanted to pour his life into them. But isn't it funny how though we can even see things right in front of us that sometimes our eyes will deceive us? I mean, it's almost like they play tricks on us. And all of a sudden when we can't see for a moment, it's like the worst thing that could ever happen to us. Just this week, one of our daughters was having problems with her vision in one eye. She had an ulcer and she had to get some medicine. And I'm telling you that the ulcer was in such a way that light was bad for her. She had to wear sunglasses and it was embarrassing for her. And then we had to shut off the lights in the house. Why? Because that was still too bright. And as we were shutting all those things off, I think somebody's going to think we're up to something. You know, we're shutting down all the lights. Like we are hiding because we're on the run right now. You know, and even though she was having those issues and we were trying to pour into her because we wanted to take care of her, it caused us some issues as well because we could no longer see the things that we needed to. But it's funny how our eyes play tricks on us. You remember Harris III came a while back, he's an illusionist. And I thought one of the most profound things he said to us is this. He says, we generally hear the term that seeing is what? Believing. But what he proposed to us, because as an illusionist, he knows that he can play tricks on the eyes. But he simply said to us that he thinks that what we believe is what we see. 
So what do you believe in? What do you see Jesus as? I have just a short time here tonight, but I want to give you the following passage from the Passover that we didn't quite get to the other day when we were reading about Jesus eating that last meal with his disciples. John 13, 1 says this, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And I think that's just a profound thing because he knew that his hour had come. He knew that he was experiencing his last moments. And the thing he wanted more than anything else is to be around those who were closest to him because he wanted to pour into them until the very end. And we went on to read, by the way, that Judas was among them. And he already knew that Judas had betrayed him. But he still wanted to speak into Judas that very night. So John 13, 21 through 30 goes on to say this. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he met. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to the disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I'll give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Now, I want to talk again for a moment about vision. Because if I talk to you about the Last Supper, what do you see? I mean, think about that image right now. What do you see? How many of you see that painting where all the disciples are sitting on one side of the table? Is that how you eat at home, by the way? Do you all sit on one side of the table just for that, like, picture-perfect moment? You know, we are sitting around the table, right? And what's interesting, if you know anything, and I, I honestly didn't know a lot of this stuff, but I just got to read it and I got to thinking about it. I was like, I wonder what the significant was in the order that they were placed. And so in the biblical times, what you have to understand is the head of the house, or that being Jesus, he assigned the various positions where people sat. And what would happen is you would kind of have the first three chairs, and some believe that they sat at an oval table. Some believe that it was more of a U-shape. But we do know this that as they were seated, Jesus sat in the second seat, and then on his right and his left will be two of the most prominent positions. Now, who did he ask to sit on his right and his left? Judas sat on his left, which was considered the most prominent position at the meal. That's where Jesus asked him to sit. And on his right side was John, because we knew that he leaned into Jesus. And then listen to this, the person of least importance was Peter. And Peter's the one who looks at John because we know that because John says, it's the one he loved. 
You know, I'm him. He loved me more kind of thing, you know. But Peter says to John, who is it that's going to betray him? And it says John leans into Jesus. And I want you to picture this because, again, I didn't know this. But for you and I, when we sit at a meal, we have our table that's at a certain height, which uh, for a lot of you, it's about here. For me, it's about here. Okay? And you sit in a chair. But in biblical times, what they would do is they would sit in a device that would basically meant that they would be leaning. And when they would lean, get this, they would lean on their left arm so they could eat with their right hand because most people were right-handed. Now, I want you to think about this. So now everyone is leaning to their left. Who's Jesus leaning into? Judas. I don't know if you see the importance of that, but listen to this. Even till the very last moment, as we read in the text, Jesus loved him to the very end. And I believe all along the way, he was still trying to speak into Judas's ear. Judas, I know what you've done. You don't have to continue on this path. There's another direction you can go. Some of you may disagree with that because you would say, well, no, that was Judas's role. But I believe this. If Judas wouldn't have stepped into that, the devil would have found somebody else to step into that and betray him. Jesus was leaning in to Judas to speak some final thoughts. Now, who was leaning into Jesus? John, the one he loved. John is the one who wrote this text. And John is the one who said, at this moment, after he'd spoken some words, he said, at a moment, he was greatly troubled. How would John have known that? Because John was leaning into Jesus. And if you would let me paraphrase for a moment, I believe that John was leaning in such a way that he would have heard the very heartbeat of Jesus. And he leaned in such a way that he knew that his heart was troubled. And the words that he began to speak had more intensity to them. Now, which way was Judas leaning? He was leaning away from Jesus. My question for us tonight is this. Are you leaning into Jesus? Or are you leaning away from Jesus? Are you leaning in such a way that you're praying, that you're reading the word, that you're discussing these things with one another? Are you leaning in such a way that you know the very heartbeat of Christ? And listen to this. What is that heartbeat for? That heart beats for you. That heart beats for me. When Jesus went and experienced all the things on the cross that he did, all the pain, all the suffering, when he saw a hand come by his face, when he saw the guards spit on him one after another, when they saw him beat him again and again, when they saw him nail him to a cross, when all of his friends had left him, when all of everybody had rejected him, even on the cross, he was not even necessarily worried about himself as much as he was worried about the thieves on the right and the left and about a mother who sat before him. And he looked at John and said, John, care for my mother. 
when Jesus was on the cross, he knew that you and I had sinned. But his heart beat in such a way for you and I that it had a hope that kept him on that cross. He knew at any point he could have caught himself out. But he knew that unless he gave his life, that your sin and my sin would have never been forgiven. And in that moment, in that moment, he took on something he had never seen before. The sin of the world. And that was a crushing blow. But he did that. Why? Because ultimately, he saw you and he saw me. And he said, you're worth it. The worship team is going to sing another song. And I, I hope tonight, as you listen to these words, that you and I will understand that we have a lot of sin and we have a lot of shame in our lives. But we have a Savior who loved you so much that he went to the cross and he died for you. Why? Because he wanted you to experience that grace as well. So tonight, as you hear these words, I pray that you and I would focus for a moment on the weightiness of that cross and what he took on for you and me. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.